If you are in the 81% of aspiring authors out there, stop aspiring and start writing with Readsy. Readsy allows indie authors to find and work with the best publishing professionals, from developmental editors to book cover designers to publicists. Just sign up for an author profile, browse the extensive marketplace of professionals, find the best fit for your project, and set a collaboration in motion. And with built-in contracts, protection, and mediation from Readsy, finding qualified freelancers, editors, designers, and marketers as a self-published author just got a lot easier. Go to readsy.com today to sign up and set your first collaboration in motion. That's R-E-E-D-S-Y dot com. There's distinct stages and you should expect those stages, challenges and setbacks. I still don't really understand how I do it. It's going to be work and you're going to suffer for your art. (laughs) That sort of story is inspirational to a lot of wannabe writers out there who feel they have a book in them but are living a totally different life at the moment. And and the answer to that, I think, is both. You know, it's going to be exciting, you're going to have breakthroughs, and you're also going to suffer and have setbacks, and that's all part of the same journey. Taking a book the whole nine yards, from an idea in your head to words on a page, from a scribble on a napkin to a listing on Amazon, that's easier said than done. But it's also easier than you'd think. I'm your host, Casimir M. Stone, and this is Readsy's Bestseller, the podcast demystifying the process of self-publishing a book for aspiring novelists everywhere, one episode at a time. This is Season 4, Chapter 5, A Long Way to Go, Viral. On a fall afternoon in 2017, Kristen Rupenian sat in a Noodles & Company in downtown Ann Arbor. It's the same Noodles & Company I spent many weekdays rushing in and out of on my way to class, so who knows, maybe I'd just brushed by her. I would have been just another college kid in sweatpants clutching a takeout bag full of lukewarm macaroni, but only one of us was about to remember that moment forever. At the time, Rupenian, unlike Tim Segelski, creativity professor, author of The Creative Journey and our subject this season, did not have a flourishing personal brand. She had an MFA in creative writing, sure, but so far her stories had only placed in publications with titles that sound like Pulp Fiction parody or bad entendres. Body Parts Magazine, Weird Fiction Review, you get the picture. So it probably came as a bit of a shock when she got a call from her agent. Her short story, Cat Person, had just been accepted by The New Yorker. And most of us know the story doesn't end there. On publication, Cat Person, as the kids would say, broke the internet. Everyone seemed to have an opinion about Rupenian's divisive narrative on sex, consent, and expectations. Even today, it's not clear where the popular consciousness landed on her creative journey. At the end of the day, everyone's perspective is different. But it's very clear where Rupenian's creative journey landed her. She went from eating noodles on a college campus to selling the rights to her stories to HBO and A24, locking down a million-dollar book deal, and building an online platform to boot. All off the strength of going viral. So every time I, I, I have one of those successful posts, and they're you know one out of, I don't know if it's 50 or 100, um, you suddenly see like an influx in subscribers you know, and followers and that sort of thing, and then you know, for the next time you can, you can share more and give them what they, you know, what they expect from you. And that's it. Success in 2020. Well, sort of. 
These days, creativity is more common and unconventional than ever before. People are getting noticed for just about everything, and when you do get that sweet, sweet notice, you get a lot of it. But far more often, the legend of the viral overnight success is just that, a legend. You know, so a couple of times in the last 10 years or so, I've, I've had success with a couple of blog posts, or I've gone viral on Twitter, and you know those aren't your core audiences, and that's it's, you're never going to get an overnight success by going viral. But those like big hits come when you consistently do good work over time. When we left off, Tim had just leveraged years of personal branding to establish his authority on creativity to the students he was teaching and to potential readers of his nonfiction book on the topic. So finally, he was ready to put it out into the world. I set a, a goal for myself. Um, it may have very well been a New Year's resolution in 2019 uh, that I wanted to see this exist in the world before January 1st, 2020. And I was like, well, how do I get that done? What, what steps do I need to take? And one of them was like, I'm just going to publish it with Readsy, which I had a, you know, a good experience with last time. So I'm going to do that again. Um, so I made the decision to publish it. And having taken the most creative approach possible to each stage and or process so far, it's no surprise Tim did that by himself, too. Um, what, what were some of the considerations uh, when you were making that decision between, you know, agent, traditional publishing, all these things? I'd say the biggest, the biggest one was having control over the creative process and just doing it myself. Um, you know, hiring my own editor, hiring my own illustrator, having control over the versions that get uploaded to Amazon, you know, when it, when it goes live into the world, when it's published, when it's released. Um, that was probably the biggest factor for me. Tim accomplished the most important task for all nonfiction writers, whether you're self-publishing a book, contributing content to your personal brand, or simply texting a friend. The people he reached were ready and willing to learn from him. Now, he just needed to reach people. And then on top of that, you know, I talked to some people who had been, you know, published by a publishing house and they're like, you know, they, they didn't help me a lot. Like maybe we split the cost of the illustrator or something, but, you know, you're still going to have to do a lot of the, or almost all of the marketing yourself. You know, you have to, you know, have an email list, you have to do, you know, hustle and get out there. And, uh, you know, at that point, like, you know, I have a, have a decent social media following um, I've been blogging for over a decade. Um, I have an email list. And so I was like, What's, why not? Why not just do it and get it out there yourself? And so I did. Today, whether you're a teenage rapper with a penchant for Twitter and cowboy hats or a former chef turned gonzo travel writer whose voice has now graced the intro of this podcast for seasons, may he rest in peace, success seems to only ever come from one thing, going viral. Make sure you are getting your name out there you are just one of many things in their constellation of their universe. Tim knew from years in the classroom that his target audience was the next generation. They stood to learn the most from his decades spent honing a patient, consistent approach to creativity. But just like when getting feedback while writing his book, Tim had to take their perspective when it came to selling his book. Because even though most of us don't read textbooks every day, we do scroll through countless feeds, listicles, and walls, reading nonfiction nevertheless. If Tim wanted to reach a new generation, he had to reach them their way. So how do you do that? How do you go viral? And how do you turn that viral success into self-publishing success? Tim eventually got the answer. 
but just like his explorations of structure, research, feedback, and authority, he returned only after a long journey. You know, one of the things I did after I decided I I was going to make a go of it in journalism because I had very little choice uh, at the time after graduating college was I started writing a blog. And blogging helped me fall back in love with writing because there's no one to tell you, there's no editor to tell you, you can't write that. Um, and, and you have creative freedom to write and explore anything you want. And so I moved to Montana. <clears throat> I worked in a national park and I, I blogged about it. <laughs> and um, subsequently continued blogging for a number of years. Tim started blogging soon after identifying his personal brand, wait, sorry, mission. But long before teaching a creativity class was even a possibility, let alone an idea. So he was never trying to create viral content. He just had things to say, and he said them consistently. The big thing is, like, you, you don't start with your book. You start, like, well before your book, and you do that for years, and you build up goodwill, and you build up people following you, and then when you have a book to write, you write the book, and then you share it with those people. And he stayed consistent with what he said, making sure every piece of content aligned with his mission and or brand. You know, I mean, like, for me, I do a ton of blogging on Medium, and, um, you know, I'm writing about creativity so they know what to expect from me. And like, you know, if like you're blogging about, um, health and wellness, like all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I have a science fiction book <laughs> that you're, you can buy this from me now. People will be like, well, I'm subscribing, you know, to you because of your health and fitness expertise. Like why are you writing this? You know, don't surprise people because people are following you for a specific reason. And then, you know, once you have that book that fits what they want from you, you can share it with them and they'll be happy to get it. What was some of the work that, that you've done to like make sure that whether someone's tuning into your Medium page or your, you know, your Twitter or anything, they're still getting you, they're still getting that, the gist of your mission from all of these different outlets? That's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm not sure they are. I hope they are. Uh, <laughs> but um, part of it is just becoming more thoughtful um, about what you're sharing, what you're putting out in the world. I don't know if this is just getting older, but, you know, I, I share probably less on social media than I used to. And, and I write less, but I'm more thoughtful and intentional about what I put out there. Tim did this patiently and for years. So eventually, inevitably, it started to catch on. So I wrote a series of, of posts a couple of years ago about happiness and unhappiness. Mm -hmm. And um, they got one got 50,000 views. Another one got, you know, like close to that. And, uh, I got, you know, an influx of subscribers from that. And then there's other things you can't necessarily plan for, but every once in a while, something, something serendipitous happens. Um, well, October, 2018, uh, right before the midterm elections, I, I posted this, this tweet that ended up getting, um, last I checked 3.8 million clicks. Uh, it was, um, it was this thing about Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson breaking up. And uh, I said, wow, I can't believe this is why they broke up in the, a link. And then I hid the link preview behind a picture of them. And you clicked on the link and it took you to a voter registration site. <laughs> and, um, and it was, and then like, it was, it was insane. Like how much that spread for the next week. I had a bunch of copycats. People stole the link and put it on Facebook. And uh, Ashton Kutcher retweeted it. James Corden retweeted it. Um, Colin Hanks, like, uh, the, the, I mean, it was just, it was just insanity. You know, something like that never happened in my life before. Never, never will happen again, I'm sure. Uh, but 
as a result of that, I wrote a Medium post about the backstory of why I did it and what the results were. And that got 78,000 views. <laughs> and, um, and that Medium post also, again, you know, of course, helped build my subscribers, build my followers, kind of helped, again, get my name recognition out there. And, um, you know, maybe some of those people bought the book, too. Who knows? Going viral isn't something you can predict, but it is something you can plan for just in case. And although Tim never knows which piece of his content will take over the internet for 15 seconds, he makes sure that each will help him expand his reach if it does. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. It, it's just like it's consistent quality content over years. You know, you know it's, it's, it's the drip, drip, drip strategy. So it's like, you know, you're not going to go viral on day one. You're not going to get 100 thousand subscribers in day one or maybe ever so you keep doing good quality work and then maybe one out of a hundred articles goes viral so how did tim turn viral success into publishing success well to be fair he did start with the most common piece of marketing advice for indie authors out there he promoted his email list just your email list um you know, I do sometimes uh, put it at the end, but sometimes if it's like a long article, people aren't going to get to the end. So put it somewhere inside the article. Um, you know, that one about about happiness, because it was such a long article, I put it in the first, you know, like several paragraphs. And I put a link that said, you know, one, one thing that's guaranteed to make you happy signing up for my email list <laughs> with a link to it. From there, however, his process for getting his book out took a bit of a left turn. See, Tim doesn't run ads, A-B tests, book promo, or any other traditional self-publishing marketing strategies. Instead, he just focuses on the content itself, whether that's the book, the blog, or the other sorts of nonfiction he writes to his students, followers, and friends every single day. If you are useful, people will appreciate you. So when you're sharing something, make sure it's useful Make sure your audience can get something out of it. It's not just like, hey, here's buy my book <laughs> sort of thing. Like Tim said, all writers have something to say. And if your core audience finds value in it, chances are others will too. You just have to find them first. After spending decades in the reporting world, Tim was well-versed in getting the word out about his words. But turns out the strategies he'd learned pitching articles, placing reviews, and all his other go-to ways of expanding content's reach worked much better decades ago. News outlets specifically about books are very hard to come by these days because newspapers or news outlets have cut that so much. Tim is still, at heart, a journalist. He's said himself many times that his mission is to tell others' stories, so to this day, he still pitches articles to publications, writing the same kind of consistent content that brings value to his readers, and then sending it out for new ones to find. If an author was interested in taking that route, how would they go about getting like an article placed in a news outlet as opposed to just in you know, a... Um, blog post in terms of just getting out there to an audience beyond your own blogger platform um that could be it's almost its own podcast of like how do you pitch a media outlet or a media company but for me pitching comes down to one does it really reach the niche you want to and two if possible do you have a relationship with that editor in that publication so editors, just like all of us, are busy, and they want to work with people who are proven, that they know are reliable, and that will give them something that their audience wants. Um, kind of goes back to all of your you know, content marketing. You want to build that audience and that relationship first before you have like an ask. 
And that includes the editors you work with or the publishers or the gatekeepers of those outlets. But magazine articles aren't exactly magnets for virality anymore, cat person notwithstanding. Having seen both sides of the newsroom door, Tim knew how to get his writing into readers' hands, but he also knew that wasn't going to be through traditional publications for much longer. So, once again, Tim got creative. One of the ways I think that writers can kind of achieve a happy medium of writing through their own outlets, but then extending to a larger publication is Medium, uh, the, the website Medium. That's, that's where I do a lot of my writing. Mm-hmm. And that's because anyone can publish a blog and just do it for your followers. But then Medium has a series of publications on different topics. It could be family, parenting, creativity, um, you know, sports, you name it. And you can pitch any of those publications or submit your article to any of those publications and reach a much wider audience. And when you're doing something like that, do you include like backlinks to your personal blog, stuff like that, make it easy for, for new audience members to find you? So the kind of the nice part about Medium is it's already on your blog. Oh. Um, it's, it's, so it is your blog, and then you publish it through a channel, through a publication that reaches all of their audience as well. Um, essentially, there's like a there's a banner at the top. So like this one I wrote about Disney, it's for a publication called PS. I love you. Like I just went to Disney world with my kids, wrote an article about it and pitched it to a sort of family and parenting blog. Mm -hmm. And, um, they accepted it, published it, you know, it was both on my blog, but also under the banner and reached their audience as well. So it still has my name on it. It still has my picture. You can click on my picture, my name, and get to my entire profile, all the blogs I've written. But at the top, you can see all of their authors and their publication, and it also then goes to their followers and my followers. So it's a hybrid between writing on someone else's platform and writing on your own. You're writing on both your platforms. That's really interesting. Does that make sense? So um, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a new model of publishing. You know, it's like a shared sort of governance Um, you know, but if I were to pitch to the local TV station and say, do something on my book, I would be on their website, but I wouldn't be on my website. So this kind of combination of medium is it could be on both of our platforms at once. Medium is just one of many platforms unique to this era to provide writers with creative ways of reaching new readers. Learning to use these platforms to effectively market your book is one thing, but learning to recognize them as they emerge, as Tim did with Twitter and MySpace, is a skill you can just keep on applying. Patience. Consistency. Jumping from platform to platform. It is a long way to go, but it's the only way to go if you want to reach a generation suffocating in information. You're always the closest person to your your own book and your own material as possible uh you you have to remember that not everyone's hanging on your every word and waiting for your next post uh there's so much else out there so chances are they probably didn't see it the first time um or the second time maybe the third time so even if it feels like you're sick you know promoting yourself and posting about your own work your your audience isn't (laughs) because because they are maybe just seeing it and you are one thing in the sea of their Netflix queue, their LinkedIn feed, their Facebook feed, and everything else. So make sure you are getting your name out there. You are just one of many things in their constellation of their universe. 
So, per usual, Tim took the principles he taught in creativity and social media analytics and put them to good use in his own work. A big thing is looking at what your own, looking at your analytics, like, you know, seeing what, what you write that works well. I just did a roundup of, you know, my most popular posts of the decade, what got the most clicks over, you know, the 2010s. And, and seeing like, hey, what do people want to read about? What they, what, did, what did they not want to read about? What didn't do so well? How do, how do headlines position you for success? Listicles, like the list, you know, eight things that blank. People still read those voraciously, you know. Um, our, our minds just like numbers and, you know, again, structure <laughs> and predictability. Um, and they also go back to them because, you know, you can recycle and repurpose and, and reuse things in social media. There's so much content out there. There's no reason why you should just do it once. People aren't always going to see it the first time. You know, rounds over the decade is one example. I'm like, this was the most popular post. You can read it now, <laughs> sort of thing. Sometimes you can just learn from your own tactics and, and leverage it as much as you can and, and make the most of it. Even when it comes to marketing, where tried and true methods yield pretty much empirically better results, Tim carved his own path, using past lessons to ace the future. But just because he made indie marketing into yet another journey, it wasn't one that's never been taken before. So I don't know if you're familiar with Seth Godin, but he's like one of the, you know, original bloggers. If you just Google Seth, you'll find him in his blog. He blogs every single day and he's blogged every single day for, I don't know, 15 years or something like that. And then, you know, when people subscribe to and read him, he will have a new book out and or a new course out um so maybe once a month like you'll share like here's what i have new here's my new book or here's my new course you can sign up here but most of the time he's just sharing work for free and building up an audience and goodwill you know the alternative to that is if you have the budget you could certainly place ads and find people who you know have those interests on facebook or instagram but it's not it doesn't have i think the same sustainability as building an audience organically which happens to be the exact same strategy we use here at Readsy, giving authors the best educational content possible on our blog, YouTube channel, and this very podcast to successfully publish their book. But, of course, it's not a path without its obstacles. Yeah, the downside to you know content marketing is that you know, it's it's going to take longer because you have to produce that and you have to do it on a consistent basis. It's it's a lot of work. Today, viral overnight success is practically the new American dream. And it's just as unrealistic as the old one. Expanding your reach, whether online or off, still takes consistent hard work and a whole lot of patience. Look at Kristen Rupenian again. Even though she wasn't spending her time building an online platform, it still took her years of studying writing, owning her craft, and submitting stories to every publication possible to reach a wider audience. And even when she did, the suddenness of it all wasn't exactly a welcome change. A year after Cat Person went viral, Rupenian published a second New Yorker article, this one about what it feels like to go from no one knowing your name one day to everyone yelling their opinion about your writing at you the next. She summed it up in one word. Annihilating. So, per Tim's favorite W's, we'll once again end on why. Why are more people than ever turning away from ads and toward viral content? Well, as with most of the very modern practices we've covered this season, it actually boils down to a principle that's been applicable forever. 
you know, you Seth Godin as an example before. Years ago, he, he coined the term permission marketing. And, and that is that you seek permission from the people you share with, and they give you permission willingly because it's valuable. Um, the opposite of that is interruption marketing. And that's when, you know, you put your billboards, commercials, ads, um, anything that just tries to stop a customer and be like, hey, pay attention, buy this. Um, I guess, I mean, that, that works, but it's getting harder to work in a world where there's constantly people trying to interrupt you. Uh, people just tune out the interruptions. So it's a better long-term strategy to do permission marketing. For indie writers, interruption marketing is tried and true. But in Tim's mind, that's not necessarily a good thing. It's quick and easy if you have cash to just place ads and wait for people to you know click on those ads. But that's not to say that it's going to be effective. You know, um, you can place an ad that no one buys from or no one uses. It's just shorter and faster, and it's a seemingly a shortcut um, if it works. And in the end, it's an approach he never even considered. Maybe it's naive, but I don't really know the traditional marketing plan for a book. You know, outside of content marketing. You know, I, I don't know if that's unconventional. I, I, I hope that that's becoming the norm <laughs> um, because the idea is that everyone can kind of create their own tribe. Everyone can kind of create a permission marketing group rather than just interrupting people and telling people to buy their stuff. But I think it's, it's a, it's a longer term, more, more consistent, sustainable strategy. And that in a nutshell is the story of this season, isn't it? Creativity sometimes translates better to real life than fiction. It took Tim dozens of drafts, research projects, semesters, and years to even see the creative journey as a book, let alone the bestseller it eventually became. But it only got there because he took his time with each stage of the journey, viewed each step as its own creative process, and used everything he learned from one to tackle the next. And, and sort of almost like that own journey of like, what, what should this be and how should it that live in the world. And that's a journey that all of us, in one way or another, are still on. You can find it whatever position you're in, whatever role you're in, whatever field you want to go into, you can be creative. But then, sadly, that journey comes to an end. In writing, at least. But in real life, it's not always that simple. In our final episode, Tim ponders beginnings and endings, and what it means to keep creating when your creation is finished. Brought to you by Readsy, this is Bestseller. Over the course of this season, we'll follow an indie author's journey from start to finish in five chapters, exploring each step it takes to turn real life into a compelling read. Last up is our season four epilogue, The Beginning. This episode was written, hosted, and produced by me, Casimir M. Stone. If you liked it, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Our guest this season is Tim Sigalski. You can purchase his book, The Creative Journey, on Amazon. And you can check out his other works of nonfiction on Twitter at C-I-G-E-L-S-K-E, on Medium at T-E-E Cycle Tim, and at a variety of other outlets, including Runner's World, The AV Club, and Reedsy Discovery. This podcast, like so many self-published books out there, is made possible by Reedsy, 
a marketplace that connects indie authors with the tools that traditional publishing houses would usually provide, such as editors, book cover designers, and publicists. You can learn more about Readsy on Instagram at Readsy underscore HQ, on Twitter at Readsy HQ, or online at R-E-E-D-S-Y dot com. <laughs>